0: Hello and welcome to this season two of the From the Moon podcast with me, David Pleasant. This year has seen the opening of the 23rd International Exhibition of Triennale Milano. It is entitled Unknown Unknowns, An Introduction to Mysteries, and so on each episode we try to unpack a different component of this quite literally unknowably vast subject matter. There are known knowns, there are things we know we know, We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. What do we think that we know about the universe? And could or should we even be attempting to know everything? Perhaps we can learn to coexist with life's mysteries. We'll be asking all these questions and many more besides on From the Moon. During the course of this series, we'll be speaking to artists, designers and scientists who will guide me, your host, on this journey through knowledge and understanding. On this episode 5 of From the Moon, we will be attempting to consider what might be called the tradition of the unknown. Despite our many discussions on all things mysterious in this series and through the very discursive nature of much of what is contained in the thematic exhibition at Triennale Milano, we cannot think that we are somehow the first to think in this way. There is a vast, perhaps timeless, tradition of inquiry into the unknown. So today we'll be exploring the relatively recent coining of our title theme, Unknown Unknowns all those things we don't know that we don't know, used with particular effect back in 2002 in the most geopolitical of settings, together with more philosophical considerations with an old friend of From the Moon, Emanuele Cocha. But first we pay a visit to the very physical, tangible exhibition that has opened alongside Unknown Unknowns. La Tradizione del Nuovo, or Tradition of the New, is the title of the Italian Design Museum's new permanent show. Marco Sabicheli, director and curator of Design, Fashion and Craft at Triennale Milano, gave me a virtual tour by way of three objects on show.
1: I thought to offer to the audience uh, a step, an historical introduction to what can be uh, in the 20th century, what was in the 20th century the unknown in the design business. And actually, a tradition of the new, it is a compilation of researches, because in the the, um, Italian design business, which was extremely disconnected to the industry at the beginning, especially after the Second World War, the unknown was a vision, was an idea, or was also an attempt to imagine something that was not yet discovered, arrived, or um, public and and spread in the society. So uh, the first thing you you see when you uh, step into the show are doors. For two reasons. The first one is because usually when you visit a design museum, doors, windows, taps, sinks—you know these sort of neglected um, objects—are never on display. And the second reason was, how can I portray the unknown to a very general audience? And so I thought, like in an horror movie, behind a door usually there's two things, the killer, or the safety of your house, of your nest.
0: You are hearing the words of curator Marco Samicheli telling us about the La Tradizione del Nuovo or tradition of the new exhibition on show now in the Museo del Design Italiano at Triennale Milano. The show, which was designed by multidisciplinary creative studio Zavin, based in Venice, brings together works, installations, documents, design objects and experimental pieces that contributed to the development of Italian society in the period between 1964
1: and 1996. So I selected this uh, special project that Bruno Monari and Davide Mosconi realized in 1991 for Lualdi, which is an Italian company uh, specialized in um, designing doors. And the installation is entitled Invece del Campanello, instead of the doorbell. The specificity of these doors is that they don't have a door handle. It's just a photocopy of the door handles. And each one has a very bizarre uh, doorbell. That if you pull the doorbell, it could be a string, or if you can you push a button, then it they produces sounds. But you don't see what is behind. But these doors are installed by Zaven in several green wood towers. Then you can see what is behind the door. You can see the Technology, the very vernacular and rudimental technology of the doorbell, but you can also, these, these doors, they hide um, some elements that they introduce you to the show.
0: Once through these impressive doors, whose imposing three dimensional forms tower above the visitor, we move through to various thematic and chronological sections put together by Marco San Micheli. In a section entitled, Human Containers, Marco attempts to tackle gender politics and how the design business was often all but completely closed to women. Here, by highlighting some of the works and stories of some of the women who did manage to crack what was so often a boys club and who are hardly ever mentioned in design museums and retrospectives, Marco hopes to show some of the other sides of Italian design. Figures such as Finnish designer Lizzie Beckman, who was for a long time based in Milan and had considerable success with designing for brands such as Zanotta and Vistosi. Then there is the little seen work of Antonia Campi, who in the 1960s became art director of prestigious ceramics factory Rishar Ginori. So many figures, and many who were not, in fact, Italian men, were to come to Milan in this phenomenally fruitful and eclectic period, where experimentation was as important as business and profit. The Triennale, with its international exhibition taking place every third year, and a whole roster of other events, became the main hub of the world's design scene. And as Marco Sanmicheli explains, this colourful testing ground led to some unlikely collaborations, including one between Triennale and famed experimental British musician Brian Eno.
1: Because I needed to um, transfer this idea that uh, along the 90s, um, design was not anymore about, only about furniture, pieces or, or objects but it was mostly about digitalization, re- services, relationships, and experiences. So thanks to the help of music, I, uh, I picked few case studies where together designers and musicians were collaborating in triennale or in the in- industry in general in order to um, deliver something that was either a- an artwork and a design uh, platform. So there's the case of Steve Piccolo together with George Southern for Alessi, or the case of uh, Brian Nino, where at that time, in 1996, he was invited as an artist in residence at Triennale, and he composed a, a song entitled Triennale. there's Stripsody. Stripsody is the story of of Katie Berberian and Luciano Berio, that together with Umberto Eco and Eugenio Carmi, that they they design a composition. What does this mean? I'm quoting Umberto Eco when he was saying that in his opinion, uh, comics are the most interesting and revolutionary um, idea of craftsmanship in Italy in modern times. So him together with the junior Carmi and Luciano Berio, a music composer, they designed a series of of comics that Cathy Berberian, a soprano singer, had to sing. So this composition is just this beautiful lady playing all these sounds that come from comics, and it is bizarre and also very. Uh, um, in particular how um, altogether this is presenting a narrative where there's a lot of irony of course, but it's also this is also presenting an angle of how to look at things that you think are not important, that they at the same time they can contribute and develop and a good idea that then
0: can be applied on design and architecture and it's quite an alarming and surprising sound that we hear, so uh, we'll play some of that now. Yeah. Walking on, Marco, where can we stop next on your virtual tour? Maybe uh, a series of photographs next from 1980, is that right?
1: Yeah, there, I also asked several photographers to um, be part of the show because photography in the design industry, it is important because it's a complementary media for communicating, uh, not only for the advertising, but for communicating the role and the narrative of objects. So there are photos of um, Giacomo Giannini that together with Alessi was able to present campaigns that they were offering um, an idea of Alessi objects in the 90s related to fiction.
0: And before Marco tells us more about some of the photography on show at the Trienales tradition of the new exhibition, let's dip into another of the show's musical highlights. By the 1980s, the idea to mix different practices from design to art and from music to video was very much in the air in Milan, thanks in part to the birth of the postmodern movement in Italy. Giancarlo Maiocchi, also known as Occhio Magico, was very active in this cultural milieu. Participating in multimedia groups and collaborating with architects such as Alessandro Mendini, Aldo Rossi and Ettore Sotsas, Jr., Maiocchi was able to experiment with new forms of contamination between photography, painting, music, video and even fashion. In 1984, Occhio Magico took over the artistic direction of iconic Italian synth-pop Mattia Bazar, for which he created the covers of several albums, including one named Aristocratica, which you are hearing now. Maiocchi also collaborated with artist Cinzia Ruggeri, who created the group's record sleeves and costumes.
1: Photos um, are important in the show to um, define uh, the concept of tradition of the new, especially thanks to the work of Miro Zagnoli. Uh, uh, I picked one of his first editorials for Modo, where you see uh, this uh, diptych of photos of a model illuminated by an object, and then you see next to him Object and the object is like uh, a screen of a computer, a screen of a television, a light of a newsstand, or a light of a telephone cabin. Um, And this is, in my opinion, very important because nowadays we live our daily journey constantly illuminated by screens of our smartphones or our. Small laptops. And so at that time, Milo Zagnoli figured out that we were uh, going uh, into a direction where devices were not just uh, useful for uh, specific reasons, for a service, but they were. becoming companions of our life.
0: That was Marco Sammicheli there taking us on a virtual tour of the La Tradizione del Nuovo, or tradition of the new exhibition he has curated at the Museo del Design Italiano, on show now at Triennale Milano. Next up on this episode of From the Moon, we try and examine thinking about the unknown as a philosophical tradition. Emanuele Coccia is an Italian philosopher who has been teaching at the Ecole des Hautes etudes en Sciences Sociales in Paris since 2011. Last year, in the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, Emanuele contributed to this podcast and helped us to think about a scenario in which all humanity ends on planet Earth. He also went as far as looking at a single virus itself. Part organism, part chemical, this tiniest of thing has a massive impact on us all. As well as studying the metaphysics of plant life for the 23rd Triennale Milano International Exhibition, Emanuele has been curator for publications and of the video installation entitled Portal of Mysteries which serves as an introduction to the unknown unknowns theme. I spoke to him about the history of examining the unknown, philosophically speaking, as well as the surprisingly recent geopolitical origins of our exhibition's title. Emanuele Cocha, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of From the Moon, in which we're trying to look at uh, the unknown from the perspective of, of the past, let's say, trying to kind of reframe how we look at the unknown. Um, it's not obviously a new thing or particularly contemporary to think about everything that which uh, might be out there or which is waiting to be discovered or, or known about. So with you, I, I wanted to just have a little bit of a breakdown maybe to start. How traditionally have philosophers looked at this subject of the unknown?
2: I would say that there is, uh, first of all, one very important episode in the history of, let's, think, let's say, thought, not just philosophy, uh, about the question of unknown, which is the Freudian approach. The idea that there is something uh, which is unknown in us, which is not just unknown, but which is exactly like the title of the exhibition is uh, sounds is uh, something we don't know we don't know this uh, unconscious. Uh, and what was interesting in Freud is the fact that first of all uh, this unconscious that we ignore is that the very core of our consciousness. One could say that the core idea of psychoanalysis is that every subject is in a way this attempt of taming this unconscious, this uh, unknown unknown. And happiness, in a way, depends from the way you can, at the same time, not just reduce this unknown to something known, but you have a sort of intimate relationship with this uh, sphere. So from this point of view, I would say that this is the most interesting uh, idea that uh, Western Third uh, produced about uh, uh, this unknown. And in a way, the exhibition uh, try to do it, at least in my in my uh, opinion in my eyes the exhibition at uh, the triennale try to expand extend this idea not just the uh, or no more to the core of subjectivity but to the, the relationship each of us has to develop uh, toward the planet
0: so, as Emanuele Cotcher told us, it was Austrian neurologist and father of psychoanalysis Sigmund Freud who began what could be called modern thinking when it came to the unknown. Freud's attempts to reveal the deepest unconscious of his patients can be seen as a way to tame the unknown within the human brain. But if happiness is dependent on conquering the unknown and knowing as much as possible about ourselves, maybe Freud has set humanity up for a very frustrating eternal failure. I wanted to know if Emanuele thinks that there is a sort of implied coexistence with that which we don't know in the unknown unknowns theme of the exhibition at Triennale Milano. Some might even see this as a resignation, as maybe we are better off not knowing everything. A sentiment that goes along the lines of that old saying, ignorance is bliss. If you already
2: knew everything, then uh, it would make, uh, I mean, there would be no, no sense in, in the act of existing. But it's not uh, just that we have to accept our ignorance, because this way would be sort of. Sort of very strange, pious attitude toward existence. The question is uh, actually: uh, to... Um, it's more to a knowledge that the counterpart, the 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 kind of the sphere of reality you have in front of you, has the same amount of freedom you uh, in a way you you have. Uh, I'm I'm just. Uh, 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 making an example in order to be more cle- uh, clearer and also more I, I mean uh, uh, to speak about uh, daily experience. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, we have uh, this experience of uh, acknowledging a huge amount of freedom to a huge amount of reality, which we call sky. and the particular piece of uh, piece of sky, uh, which is the part of the sky of this infinite uh, part of the universe, which produce what we call weather. Every time we perhaps uh, look at the, I mean, forecast, but it's like just enough to know if we have to get an umbrella or not. And then we assume that this part is doing whatever it wants all the time. And we are in a way accustomed to have a very strange relationship with weather where we, in a way, we know that it's changing all the time and that this subject, we do not recognize as a subject, has the right to do whatever it wants. In a way, we do not think about this uh, uh, in the same way for the ground because we are accustomed to think that the ground has to be stable, solid, to repeat, and to be, in a way, uh, uh, we have to foresee what uh, happens in the ground, whereby we do not care <laughs> Uh, what is happening just uh, in front of us, because the sky is also in front of us. So the idea was to, in a way, to universalize or to radicalise this kind of attitude toward, not just toward the sky, but also to the
0: ground. For Emanuele, this radical rethinking of the unknown on the ground here on Earth extends and inspires the Unknown Unknowns exhibition which he sees as a way to understand what happens in the fields of architecture and design when they adopt this new attitude. So Emanuele wonders what it would be like if these fields that are normally so obsessed with control and with mastering every single element would engage or not engage with the ground in the same way as we have traditionally engaged with the weather, voluntarily accepting its many unknowns. As we heard from Triennale Milano curator Marco San Michele earlier in the episode, many architects and designers have long gone about investigating the limits of our knowledge, and certainly proposing radical solutions to unknown futures. So, does Emanuele think that one new philosophy that the Unknown Unknowns exhibition might propose is one in which no knowledge is taken for granted? where there are no absolute certainties about the ground beneath our feet or the environment and matter all around us.
2: Not taking anything for granted, but also to, in a way, to allow to matter to ground, to space, to object, to artefacts, to keep, in a way, being free, to allow this freedom also, not just at the beginning of the process, but also in the life of the object. So in a way, it's really allowing to to the planet the, the freedom it has to have, in a way. That, that's why also for me, this exhibition was important uh, uh, in, uh, also for ecology, because in, eco- in a way ecology, thus at least the scientific ecology, the academic ecology, uh, is totally unable to think freedom of other living beings, freedom of uh, the ground, freedom of the water, freedom of whatever. So, and and that's, that's, why, uh, that's why I think the curators uh, chose this uh, strange name.
0: Unknown Unknowns is indeed a strange name for an exhibition, but as much as it might allude to a world of mysteries and uncertainties, it does open the way for a very expanded approach, based on free-thinking rather than predefined concepts. Emanuele also points out the less-than-virtuous circumstances in which the Unknown Unknowns concept first came to fame. Now, let's hear the hawkish words of the late Donald Rumsfeld, United States Secretary of Defense, speaking in 2002, one year before the US invasion of Iraq. Reports that say there's, that, that, that something hasn't happened
2: are always interesting to me because, as we know, there are known knowns, there are things we know we know, We also know there are known unknowns. That
0: is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. Emanuele tells me that Rumsfeld was citing academic psychology that came out in the 1950s. But importantly, we can take something from this way of thinking and apply it to more positive forces for good. In politics, there is
2: uh, the stuff you know, there is then the stuff you know that you don't know, and then there is finally uh, the the things that you don't know you don't know, and that's the most important uh, part of politics. Uh, and in a way, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, not of course an example of virtue, but this idea was uh, important, or it was interesting to in a way to project it to translate this idea for ecological thinking, uh, also in ecology, also toward our. Uh, planet. What is more important is exactly what we ignored, that we are, uh, what, that we don't know.
0: So, from recent times and the spectre of geopolitics comes the idea that maybe we can apply an open approach of thinking to ecology too. But if we go much further back to ancient Greek philosophy, another often misquoted concept comes to light, that in which the more a person knows the more a person knows that they do not know. I wanted to know if this saying, apparently derived from Socrates, is connected in any way with our Unknown Unknowns exhibition. So the idea of this word, I
2: mean, which comes from the Socratic tradition, is uh, is, uh, of course the idea that uh, knowledge is something that has no hand. In a way, every time that you or accumulating knowledge or, or producing knowledge, you discover that there is uh, more and more to know. That, but I would say that uh, it is not really the way uh, I think that uh, the idea of unknown was adopted uh, in exhibition. Because in this uh, in this uh, um, uh, sentence, the idea is that knowledge is an infinite task, and you have to accumulate and accumulate knowledge without thinking that you will come at a certain point to the end, whereby, in a way, uh, 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 the I think that the, the, um, the works uh, in the spaces of uh, the Triennale and also the, um, the approaches of the curators were uh, different in the sense that the question is not uh, just to accumulate more and more knowledge in order to fight the unknown. The question is to shift perhaps from a cognitive or purely cognitive attitude to a more sensitive, a more political, for instance, or a more um, a carnal uh,
0: approach. An approach that is more based on all things earthly and somehow closer to home. And now Emanuele gives us another scenario we might all be familiar with.
2: When we are living with someone else, uh, with our partner, with our lover, uh, of course it would be extremely stupid, in a a way also violent, Uh, the, the claim of knowing everything of the other person or to control in knowledge everything. When you are loving someone, the source of love is exactly the fact that you will not, never have a total knowledge of the other and that's why you are so you are obliged to stay close, the closest to this other one. Uh, and that's exactly
0: I would say uh, the key of our relationship with the planets. That's beautiful and, and, and interesting. It reminds me, I was uh, listening, hearing about some research done on, on the behaviour of dogs and uh, the possibility that we can kind of understand the language that they might have or if they have a language at all and whether we could maybe tap in on that language and speak to dogs. And then one of the researchers said, well, maybe the fact that we don't understand their language is why we love dogs. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's kind of the same point. Yeah.
2: If I can just add something with the example of dogs, because it's uh, quite interesting. First of all, because uh, As you know, one of the most interesting, perhaps the most interesting uh, philosopher of our times, Don Attaway uh, wrote a book about ecology, in a way claiming that we have to rethink our relationship with the planet in general, starting or rethinking or extending uh, the relationship we have with dogs. But what is interesting uh, 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 in the relationship with dogs is exactly what you said, because in a way, what. Strikes me every time that I see. I do not have a dog, but what strikes me every time that I see someone with a dog is the fact that uh, the person, the human being, is not treating the dog as uh, a dog in a way. At a certain point, so is ignoring that it's a dog. It's someone who belongs to another species, and the dogs. And the dog neither treats the human being uh, as a human being. And this kind of extremely strange uh, relationship where both are ignoring uh, the identity of the other and both in a way are accepting to lose their own identity in front of the other, who loses, who lost its identity or their identity for you. That's a very beautiful definition of love in a way. And that's also... In a way, the secret of good relationships, I would say.
0: <laughs> well, that's a really nice place to end. But I did want to just know about your own work, Emanuele, and maybe how you um, have approached uh, these things that we've been talking about, whether that's just the unknown as a whole or or maybe unknown unknowns, this particular angle of this field of knowledge. How... Do you approach it? How have you been writing about this in your own work? I mean, that can be an example recent or, or, or not so recent. I, I'd be interested to see how you apply this type of thinking. I would say, in the exhibition as also in my work,
2: uh, the question of unknown is in a way, I mean, I'm uh, nourishing myself uh, through the, uh, um, how can I say, exposing myself to works of art and especially to works of art or to artists or to practices so where I do not know anything. So and that's, that's uh, perhaps uh, the, the, um, uh, the closest experience. I mean, I need that in order to write and it's uh, much more important for me to read or to expose myself to the sensitive experience of uh, artworks than to read philosophy, I must say. And secondly, I would say the question of unknown unknown uh, is at the core of the experience of uh, writing because, I mean, you can say whatever you want, but each time that you are writing, it's really (laughs) something that comes to you from you don't know where (laughs) and you don't know why. And that's why uh, it's so uh, painful to write because it's not that you have an idea and you have to translate this idea in words. You have to put yourself in these very strange conditions that make you, uh, in a way, open to catch ideas or to catch uh, signs, uh, symbols, and so on. So that's why, also in a physical way, the process of writing is so difficult. Because you have, in a way, to open your body to this kind of flow of
0: unknown staff <laughs> i can very much relate to that the famous writer's block it comes from that period of waiting because you you don't know what's going to come whether it's going to come at all and uh, meanwhile your deadline is, is fast <laughs> or is already uh, fast approaching <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well emmanuel it was really fun to talk to you thank you so much thank to you that was Italian philosopher Emanuele Coccia and I philosophizing on what we don't know and what we don't know we don't know. From knowledge of the workings of the mind to attempting to understand our beloved pets, there is a deep desire to delve into all that we do not yet know. We have also looked at this field of knowledge historically through what inquiries were made in the recent and not so recent past, from geopolitics to modern design that tried to preempt the future. Truly boundless, our Unknown Unknowns theme is by its very nature infinitely intriguing. This podcast is brought to you by Triennale Milano. It was written and presented by me, David Pleasant, with production support from Pale Blue Dot. Sound editing and design was by Alex Portfelix and the theme music was created by John Arnold of Superdrama.